This is First Contact, stories of the call center. Brought to you by Noble Biz, your one-stop shop for all your contact center needs, both carrier and software. Each show, we talk to industry leaders on how they got their start in the call center industry, because let's be honest, it's not a dream job. Find all our episodes, you can go to our website, that's www.nobelbiz.com. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, or follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for future episodes. Hey everybody, I'm excited to have uh, you all today. We're super excited to have our latest guest on today's podcast. So today we're joined by Tom Laird, one of the most interesting and engaging voices in the industry. I mean, seriously, you can listen to him on his podcast, Advice from a Call Center Geek, a series inspired by his books. If you haven't looked into him, please do so. He's got two. He's got advice from a call center geek and more advice from a call center geek because you know what? There wasn't enough advice. (laughs) So um, definitely, Tom, you've been a model in leadership. You've been inspiring during these wild times. Uh, Obviously, Tom is the CEO of Expedia Interactions Marketing Group, a large call center, large contact center outside of Erie PA. So for those of you, Pennsylvania, where he's literally managed to move all the hundreds of agents he had remotely during these times, and then even had time to talk about it on his show, which is great. And so if you don't think that's enough, how about this? He's also a professional call center consultant with callcentergeekconsulting.com. So Tom, thanks so much for joining. We're super excited to get this going for you. Thanks, Christian. That's a that's a heck of an intro. I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited here too. I, I love the format of the show. Um, you guys are doing something that's a little bit different and bringing bring a lot of voices and and I think things that are not talked about a lot in the call center. So excited to kind of be here today and, and hopefully uh, add to the format. Well, we're super excited to have you. And one of the things that it, the, the foundation of the show is really to show people that, hey, even though you don't really grow up going, the contact center space is where I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to end up. This is my dream job. Even though it ends up being the dream job for a lot of people, we try to find out, hey, how did you get here? So obviously for you, my understanding is this started at age nine. Now, not everybody starts at age nine. So I'd love to get some insight to how did you even get into this space? Yeah, literally when you say the call center's in your blood, I think for me that's it's probably true. Uh, my my parents actually started a, a contact center in the mid-80s. So they they started in doing surveys for healthcare, mar- a lot of market research for hospitals. Um, and that evolved into the, you know, the the kind of the the credit card boom that was the kind of mid-80s to that mid-90s time when, when everybody was doing outbounds for for a lot of financial services. So you know, in, in the mid '80s, I was there all the time, and so you know, I was doing everything from you know filling the vending machines in the in the call center to uh, you know my my biggest job and the one I would guess I was most proud of is is at that time there was nothing was automated. It was literally a phone, and we had scripts, um, and we would get these big tapes that came in, and there would be pressure sensitive labels on them that you would you know peel off, and then if if you got a sale, you put it on your paper application. So my job was to highlight the time zones. So every time zone had its own color. So that way the rep knew, you know, what time and if they were allowed to call that. Even before TCPA, you still didn't want to call somebody at six o'clock in the morning. Um, so that evolved kind of, of of where I came from and and really learned and you soaked all that in. You really didn't have a choice. 
but again, that was kind of my, my babysitters were the supervisors and the, you know, some of the reps that were there during the time. So, you know, just kind of evolved that from, you know, being there for automation, right? Seeing the first computers get in, seeing um, things go from a picking up a phone and dialing to, to having a predictive dialer, especially at those times, it was really outbound. Um, <laughs> seeing the first inbounds, which were the daisy chains, right? So if, if you know, this phone was going to ring, then this phone, then this phone, and if you didn't have somebody sitting here, you know, kind of all that stuff that, that would kind of come about with that and how you kind of evolve that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen, I think, the, the, the end of the, the, I guess, the beginning of the evolution of where we are today um, from where that call center was in, you know, that 70s, 80s kind of almost prehistoric thinking <laughs> how we think about it now. Well, so you you literally are one of the few people that I know of that can say I grew up my right. whole life in this industry. You know, you can't even say I've just been in it for the last X amount of years. It's like, no, I've been here almost my whole entire life. And since you've seen all that change, obviously, uh, you have worked through a variety of roles in the contact center space. So can you walk me through, like, what types of roles have you had? And obviously, now that you're the CEO of your own center, um, what has been your journey from when you were first getting your first job to now when it comes to that? Was it always in the call center space? Well, I guess now the, the cool thing is my, my parents were jerks. Like, they... <laughs> They, they, they made me do everything that, you know, if I wanted to go, if I said, hey, I want to be this, well, then you need to do this, this, and this. So actually, I, I started in the, kind of in college, you know, really when I got into it um, in the IT area. So, you know, we just got our first Avaya PBX, right? So we had the Avaya Definity system. So learned that process, um, had our own predictive dial that kind of tied into that. And so really kind of got involved in the IT side of it there. But I like that, but I like the people part of it. Like I'm a rah-rah, high-five guy, that no, kind of- I don't sense any energy at all. <laughs> so, right, <laughs> just, so I, I wanted to be on the floor. So they said, if you wanna be a supervisor, you gotta go on the phone. So I went on the phones, we, it was outbound, um, all credit cards. You know, we were working for, at the time, Mellon Bank, which is now HSBC, Bank of America, uh, Citibank, Chase, and basically calling in footprint or out of footprint for for credit cards and literally it was easy you know because nobody really had a credit card or they were just really kind of getting into it rates were pretty good at the time so did that for a while became a supervisor and then i ended up running i was the am production coordinator which basically on the inbound and outbound side ran the am shift and then became the head of call center operations we had about at the time about 12 to 1500 agents we evolved from 90% outbound to about 90% inbound, you know, through the 2000s. <laughs> kind of, yeah, as that evolved, because now everybody who had credit cards, people needed to service those credit cards. Yeah. So the, the service industry with that kind of exploded as well. So since really I was 18, you know, not at nine, you know, I was hanging out, but I didn't <laughs> working in the industry and kind of learning it as I was, as I was kind of going through school and then really kind of learning the nuances of the leadership roles and, and those types of things as well. So at what point did you go, all right, Expedia needs to exist, right? Was that always something that was in your mind and it was an end goal and you've now come to it? Or at some point this thing just said, hey, this, this company needs to exist and I need to run it? No way. No. <laughs> I, my plan was to take over my parents' organization, right? So, so we were doing really well. But again, we were working for all financial services organizations. So 
literally, you know, like I said, Bank of America, Citibank, Chase, GE Capital, HSBC, Regions Bank. So we had some smaller banks, some larger, a lot of the, the Fortune 500s um, and, and Fortune 50 banks. And in 2008, 2009, 2010, that went from being in one of the best channels to the world. So, uh, you know, for example, for one of the organizations, one of the largest banks, we're doing like 28,000 hours of, of inbound a, a month. Wow. Literally the next month they went to 3,000 hours. Next month they went to 1,500. Couldn't do that according to the contract, but basically they said, sue us, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had some private equity guys that came in um, because we, we went from a thriving organization to, you know, employing about 150 people in literally a, about a six month time span. Um, so they said, Hey, listen, we're going to get you through this, you know, this, everybody called it the great recession, but turned into the great depression for us. Yeah. Um, so these guys came in and the next thing, you know, a couple months later, they fired everybody. So all the mm -hmm. leadership roles, programmers, um, client services, HR, obviously me in the production role and, and a lot of my team. So, I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I, I knew this is really all I did. So I said, you know, I, I initially went and said, you know, maybe we can go look for, I can go look for a job in another call center or, or, or kind of doing something like that. But I don't know. I wanted, I had, I, I thought we could do something cool. I thought I had some really good ideas that now that I wasn't, you know, enamored or belabored with, with, with some legacy type systems, the cloud was really just now starting to come into play. Yeah. Oh, we all had lunch and said, guys, what do you want to do? And 60% say, hey, well, I'm going to do something else. About 20% say, hey, if you do something, I'll come. And then, you know, we had like whatever that 20%, I hope my math is right, uh, that said, hey, I'm in. So went out and we found investors, which is <laughs> the worst possible thing to do. Uh, hardest thing I've ever done. Well, at, up to that point. But anyway, we did. And we found a couple investors that believed in us. We started Expedia in like 2010 with four, uh, four employees. Um, and now we've grown it to about a five going on 600 seat um, organization here about, you know, eight, I don't know, eight or nine years later. Um, so I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned a lot of things that I would never, ever, ever want to do again. Like if you, Christian, if you said, Hey Tom, I got 5 million bucks. Let's go start a company. I'd say, Christian, I'm in. If you said, Tom, Hey, I got nothing, but I got an idea. I'd say, Christian, see ya. Uh, so, it, you know, from a, from a bootstrapping standpoint from the making the payroll and the, the call center stuff was easy for me, right? It was the, the evolution into the business side that, that really, you know, kind of was a, an eye opening experience. It's something that I've evolved and I've gotten, I, I think pretty good at now, but yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting road. Well, I think that journey though has definitely made you learn things and you've imparted that learning process into everything you do, right? And into the way you lead. And one of the things that I really have just been curious, and I hate to put you in the spot here if, if, if there's not a big thing behind it, but I've always wondered, how'd you come up with Expedia? Is there something behind the name or was it just kind of like, this sounds cool? No, when, I, when, when we were leaving um, the other organization, the uh, Expedia was going to be the Kind of the IT side where they were going to try to you know make that kind of a profit center, right? So we we're going to try to do some websites and, and development and that, that type of thing. So I didn't get any severance or anything. So basically, just said, hey, can we? I have that name. It's registered. I'm thinking in my mind, if I do do something, I don't have to pay for it. Um, I don't really have that much money to do that. So they said, yeah, basically, just take it. Um, so I don't know. For me, Expedia kind of became like the phoenix, right? Like the this thing that is with us that came from that other place 
that wasn't so good, but then evolved into something that's been pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's why we kind of stuck with the name. It's kind of hard to say. I get Expibia, right? Expibia, like what is it? So um, in hindsight, maybe not the best, but I think it's, it's kind of like our, it's our little mascot that I think has a little bit more meaning for, for those of us who, who came from, from the other place. Well, awesome. And, and, and to really know that you took something of something that was lost and gone and made it into something, you know, great. I think that's a great story behind that. And obviously it's a testament to you not giving up and saying, Hey, well, I want to do something. And that something became probably better than what it was before. Cause obviously technology and all these other things that you wanted to impart, but all that information, that stuff that you've learned over this time, it seems like you really like to share it. And obviously enough. So the two books came out of it. Right. So how did that come about? You just said one day, I'm going to write a book. And then next thing you know, I'm like, Oh, that's so great. I'm going to write another one. We talked and when I say the marketing team, it's basically another, at the time, it was basically me and, you know, some other people who like to do marketing, right? We didn't really, couldn't afford to have a, a marketing person. We said, guys, how can we market ourselves? How can we brand ourselves? How can we get our name out? You know, we can't do a ton of AdWords spend. We can't do social spend at this time. Uh, mm-hmm. What can we do? So we said, let's give everything away that we possibly can. Let's try to impart as much value into the industry and become known that way. So it was kind of like our guerrilla warfare. That's how it started, our guerrilla warfare marketing. Gotcha. Uh, so we were just hammering out blog posts at the time that evolved into videos, that evolved into kind of a YouTube channel, that evolved into you know, our blog posts and our blog site. And then we had all this content and we said, all right, you know, I don't want to make a ton of money off this book, but another way that I think we can market the organization is by you know, writing a book that I think could add a ton of value on how we see the call center should be run, some different ways that we do things. Um, there's so much, there's podcasts out there and there's blog posts and there's things that, that talk about the theory of customer service and the theory of customer support. And here's some tactics and things you can do, but nothing really got underneath the, the hood and said, listen, if I want to run a call center, what are some things I need to do? What are, what are the technologies I need? What are some of the skills and the talent um, how do I handle an associate? So we wanted to get into like the, the nuts and bolts of actually doing it for somebody who's starting or somebody who there's so many people, like you said, Christian, that they didn't start in the call center. They just get put into a role of, all right, Hey, I got 50 people. And what do I do? Right. I, I know how to manage people, but the call center side is so much different. So we basically, I mean, cheated, I guess. And, and we took all those blog posts um, and we we whiteboarded all of them, and then we added and evolved them um, into something that I think could be a kind of a, a chapter by chapter how to, um, to to run a contact center, or at least to to evolve your thinking um, into some of the things that you're doing now from a culture standpoint, um, from an operational standpoint, those types of things. And I think there's not a lot of help out there for it um, when it, when you really talk about you know I have this type of situation. What do I actually do? And hopefully that book can kind of really give you some, this is what you can do. This is what we've done. I don't know if it's good or not, but this is kind of how we would, we would have handled that situation. Well, that's awesome. And I, and I know for those of you, like I said earlier, who haven't seen the two books, you should definitely look into them. And I'm um, just curious, is there a third ever going to come out or another? Well, what we're working on now is, is, and it's, it's kind of slowed down because of this work from home. And I don't know how much, I, I think it's still going to add a lot of value, but we're trying to do 101 games to play in your call center. Um, that, that has been like the, 
the number one blog post that, that we have on our sites, everybody's always looking for call center games. They're looking for rep engagement. How do we make our call center fun? Um, so we're trying to kind of just tag on to that with what the, with what people are wanting. And we, we have this, you know, we have about 150 games that we have here at Expedia that we're, we play at all times to put those into a context, right. Of a book with pictures and with things is, it's been a little bit of an undertaking to, to make sure that people understand it. But I think it'll be, it'll be pretty cool when it's, when it's out. And now we're, we're trying to think of how do we add some work from home stuff too, because this whole thing has totally shifted um, to that standpoint. Now we might see some of, some of that come back, but I think, you know, the, the at home is going to be a huge piece of what's going on. So obviously that transition, we've mentioned the podcast as well, and, and you, you, you have a podcast that's been going on now regularly on a regular basis. There's always content, a lot of really great content going on there. Was that again, you know, as an extension of the other stuff you were doing, um, and when you when you did that, you're just like, all right, I'm going to keep going with the podcast. And then the content from there kind of feeds these other things. Like, how did that just become part of the whole mix with everything you're doing? There was nothing out there. Um, and there was a space for sure that I thought could be filled. Again, there was people that talk about customer service and customer support and maybe how you should talk to a customer and, and these theory type things. But there was nothing that was hardcore call center operations. So um, we wanted to, again, evolve the book. And then it basically is the book's great, but you know, things are constantly changing. So with the podcast, you know, we're able to kind of say, hey, you know, last week the, the new regulations came out on this you know, TCPA regulation or, or you know, anything that kind of comes out that's, that's new or, or that the technology that's evolving, we can kind of stay up with it as well. So the podcast started as, I mean, uh, the first episode was done. It was like Christmas Day. My kids were done opening their presents. They're playing. I went downstairs with the, it's actually the same mic I have here and just like talked about something. Um, so that thing has really evolved as well too. And I think it's been kind of, it's turned into a labor of love um, and something that's been a lot of fun to do and something that I'm just shocked at the following that it has. And now you're starting to see a lot of other people kind of do the same thing, which, which I think is, is kind of cool too, because there, there's a lot of voices that can be heard. There's a lot of really talented people, a lot of really, really good colleagues that are out there, like even like you guys that, that can, can kind of talk about the same thing with, with different nuances, with different uh, expertise. Yeah. And I think when you have a lot of great leadership around the ideas that just come up when you have leaders talking to one another or talking about what they do. It's incredible the kind of stuff that can come from it. And obviously the end outcome is always having great outcomes for your customers, right? That's always the ultimate goal is that your the outcomes you get from them, the experiences you provide them are, are exceptional and memorable. So I know for you specifically, you know, you've mentioned on many occasions that, you know, um, call center agents are like heroes, are heroes, right? They're the ones that are picking up the phones for when you need your stimulus check, when you need uh, an emergency call, things related to coronavirus or anything that's happening that you need daily. So from that perspective, you know, what kind of things, you know, what advice would you give to call center agents in the positions where right now they're maybe working in the center and they can't work remote? They're not like everybody else who just goes like, hey, you get to go home. What is it that you would say or that you do say to um, agents in those positions? Yeah, I mean they're the voice of help, right? They're the they're the only voice for that brand. If if there's a, a product that that someone desperately needs now, a lot of people can't get out, um, so they're ordering things online. If they don't have that product, they don't have that medicine. They don't have something 
um, you know, there, there's a, there's a huge need and it's a pretty cool thing to be able to help. One of the really unique things that we have been able to do that I think speaks really well to this is we've, when Corona kind of blew up, um, LA County's 211 kind of reached out and we were able to be, and we still are kind of one of the support sites for, for 211. So basically it's everything from, Hey, I'm, I'm sick right now. Is there a, is there a site that I can get tested on or, you know, hey, I'm homeless right now. Where can I get some help or where can I get tested? You know, those types of things. And it really opened the eyes to a lot of our associates who, who have worked on customer service programs for brands and for companies and for organizations. But when you take a kind of a consumer helpline, right, um, to that level, they really saw the impact that they were having. We'd have reps crying, like crying in a good way. Wow. Because, you know, some of the things that, that have been said and, and how they were just kind of getting applauded by the by the person on the other line that you know they were how much they were helping. So you're right. I mean, it, it the the call center industry sometimes and the reps sometimes get a really bad rap. Um, but you know, when when it boils down to it, the the support and the help that they're giving, especially during this time, it's it's kind of unprecedented. And it is pretty awesome. How many times does a call have to drop? How many times do customers have to complain about noise? With Nobel Biz Omni Plus, your work from home concerns are a thing of the past. Why worry about noise during calls when you can just send a text? WhatsApp traffic tripled during the pandemic, so why aren't you on there? Nobel Biz Omni Plus offers a seamless experience custom tailored for the at home call center. With all the social media integrations, plus the traditional ones like voice, email, video, SMS in a single platform. Go to nobelbiz.com to find out more. What happens if an agent can't take calls because they have little ones? Simple, you can just reassign that agent to handle only text-based conversations. OmniPlus allows you to do that. So once again, go to nobelbiz.com to check it out. That's N-O-B-E-L-B-I-Z.com to get a free license for six months. So it's incredible when you think about it that all of these things, when everyone's forced to have to go remote or you're in a position where you can't go anywhere, you're stuck in the, in the specific places you're at, and it's maybe not conducive to you being safe or feeling safe or that feeling of being able to be productive. So you as a leader, you know, there's culturally certain things that every brand and every company has. I know you talk a lot about attitude and effort, right? And you talk about how that's really important. How does that driver, has that been able to be a driver during this pandemic? Has that been useful or helpful for the staff and the people you've worked with and, and being able to achieve things during this difficult time? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a weapon for us. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word for it, um, <laughs> but it's, a, it's definitely an advantage for us. If, and I think for anybody, like if you have a defined culture, right, and you can kind of stick to those pillars, you know, even when the wind starts blowing, um, the associates kind of know where you're coming from with certain things, right? They're not kind of just taking like, why are we doing this? So, you know, we, we say our culture is a sunshine attitude with an entrepreneurial mindset. All boils down to attitude and effort. So we try to hire, incent, promote off of those, those pillars. So the cool thing is, you know, with, with attitude, 
um, it's really, you know, for us at home, it's, you know, your occupancy, um, actually just coming in and making sure that you're logged in on time, those types of things. And then, you know, when we talk about, you know, the flip side of it, we're, we're big into analytics. Um, so our sentiment reporting, those types of things, like we can, we're actually paying our reps off of sentiment, right? So we can tell a client, I guarantee that we're being nice to you guys, like your customers, we're saying the right things. Our tone is proper because our sentiment scores are 90% or 80% or 85%. Um, so those types of things, which is really cool. And that's another thing about being in the cloud. That's great, right? Because a lot of what you did here, it, 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 you can bring it to the at home, right? A lot of those same techniques you can. So while you can't, you know, high five and you know, walk down and, and do that to a rep, you can do some things from an instant messaging from a, from a video that, that kind of is the same thing. Um, but as long as we have those, those two pillars of attitude and effort, I think that we're able to do things um, that, that the reps kind of understand and they can kind of, they can kind of correlate really well with. Well, that's great. And I think one of the things that when we talk about that, when we transition to you as a leader, right, being the tip of the spear for your business for uh, a lot of these things, you know, are there things that you're still learning or you feel that you're struggling with from a leadership standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think um, even the as an organization, we, we are still not great. Um, and I guess I'll get to me in a second. But as an organization, we're still not great at the at the the training. Um, the virtual training, you know, we've tried a couple different aspects. I think we're good at it. We're not where I want us to be. Um, you know, we're still doing a lot of training here on site um, in smaller groups. The cool thing is I have these, you know, I have 30,000 square foot of call center space with nobody in it. So you know, if we want to do a class of 15 reps, we can, we can socially distance pretty well. Yeah. I don't think space is an issue. <laughs> right. Anymore, or at least right now. So we've been doing that. And then, I think it's very, it's been very difficult to impart our culture on new reps when they go right home. Right. So they don't see how we operate, how we talk to each other, the camaraderie that happens in the center. Um, that's been a, a challenge for us from a, from a work from home standpoint is to really, how do we differentiate or how do we put that Expedia brand on these reps, on these new employees when, you know, they're just kind of going right home and they, they're not interacting. So that kind of stuff has, has been, Make, made us really think some, some of the ways that we operate through a little bit. Um, for me personally, I just, I think as we've grown, I was always very hands-on um, and I need to, I have really good people in a lot of really good roles and I'm still doing certain things I shouldn't be doing like that. They, they can be doing. Um, so delegating. <laughs> I, I think I need to define, probably define my role a little bit now that we've, we've grown into this, this kind of really cool organization that you know, I shouldn't be, you know, filling out, like I'm, I'm still doing like RFPs and like things like that. When people are like, Oh, I already did all this stuff. Like, all right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that I guess I was used to when we were smaller because you had to do everything. So things like that, you know, what, what, what is the CEO role for me? Um, so those kind of things I'm still kind of working through, but I guess it's, it's, it's gone pretty well. Well, being self-aware is definitely one key thing that needs to be, be addressed. And if you're aware of those kinds of things, and obviously there are things that you can do. And, and trust me, uh, I've been in that position before as well. Is, is sometimes you're, you, you're a perfectionist. You want to get it done. You're, like, you, you're, you're in the mix of it. You really enjoy it maybe. And, right. and being and able I think to that's what it is too, Christian. Like, there's a lot of stuff I like to do, but I shouldn't do it. Right? <laughs> 
No, definitely. And I mean, you know, when, when you think about that, though, you know, there's always that saying, right? You love what you do. You never work a day in your life. But look, being a contact center, call center agent is not easy. Right. It's a position in which you're constantly potentially talking to people that aren't happy, right? You're potentially in a position where you're actually not given a lot of ability to make a lot of decisions on your own. So you have a limited decision making uh ability, but then you also have potentially a lot of people that aren't happy, which is a pretty stressful position, which uh, in turn, among other things, there's a lot of high turnover. So what is it that you, outside of potentially making the environment fun, would you say that uh, a contact center needs to do to be able to manage turnover? Is that just a reality? And it kind of is what it is. Yes and no. I mean, I think that there there always is is kind of the, the nature of people thinking that this is a, you know, a, a a job for college kids, right? A job that it's a, it's kind of my first job, and I'll evolve into it. Um, and and that's that's okay. I think the the biggest thing that most call centers do not do, and, and I'll go back to what I just kind of said a couple minutes ago, is define your culture, and then hire off that culture, right? So many organizations are in call centers. They get a resume and they say, "Wow, this is a really good rep." They worked at you know two other contact centers. They've worked in the industry for for twenty five years. They must be probably an older rep. I don't make I don't know twenty five years that. It's a long time, but that might not fit what we're looking to do, right? They might not fit, you know, the type of, of program, the type of client, the type of, of organization that we are. So, you know, the, that's a huge piece of it. And the second thing is attendance is always an issue. So, you know, one of the things that we're doing from a, an attitude standpoint that I think, and I, I wrote a big blog on this too, and I think it's super helpful. We've raised our, our attendance by about 33% is we actually we're paying our reps, right? So they get a base rate and then uh, we call it, they go on a streak. So every single week that they work hundred percent of their schedule, right? They make another dollar, right? Um, and then, so we can get up to like four or five extra dollars depending on your program. We're not doing any, any more work, right? Not uh, having better stats or better occupancy, literally just showing up, just coming to work. Um, and then that, that builds. So, no, an associate knows if I just if I come to work at Expedia, I get get a chance to make a lot of money um, relative to any other call center in the area. You know, based just based on that. So we're trying again to incent the things that are important instead of just saying, "Hey, you get a base rate, and then if you have a couple sales, you're going to get this." Right? To to look more holistically at the associate and say, "A better associate is somebody that's here." Right? Those things are going to take care of itself. How do we get that associate here? And then I think that that helps a lot with your turnover. And when, when associates see that you're kind of, you're really trying to put the effort towards getting them more money or certain things like that, it, I think it does help. The other thing is, is your, is your culture of, of fun. Like the call center is a difficult place. You know, we, you should have a game. We have a game going on. Or at least we did, you know, when everybody was here, you know, we're still working through some of that stuff, but when everybody was here, we had a game on every single team, right? Whether it was team versus team, individuals versus individuals, we were doing something with one of our games to try to make things as much fun as you possibly can. Because again, it can, you can get beat up all day long sometimes depending on the program you are. So to have some of those things in place, I think makes a, makes a big deal. Definitely. And I mean, obviously if you incent the right behaviors, then it drives those outcomes and that right. really kind of just self manifest, which is great. And so let's kind of jump to another topic in, in, in a parallel way here though, is let's talk about, you know, soft skills, right? I mean, can someone actually succeed without having a strength in the soft skill area? Well, the, the thing that we're finding is almost nobody has it or very few of them have it. Right. So the, 
everybody's in a texting world now. So very few, especially if you are in that, that millennial, if you're in that twenties and even, you know, getting into the thirties are really interacting like you and I, this is probably even weird, right? But like face to face, um, everybody's texting, everybody's using different types of languages, right? With how they, they interact. They talk to their friends differently than you can talk to a customer. So it's really, really important in that onboarding training um, and your ongoing training that you're constantly working on that. So, you know, one of the things that, that we do is we have an hour of weekly education that we don't bill the clients, but every single program, they just go and basically, we don't talk about any of the, hey, your monitoring report, and we do that in a different area, but we're not talking about monitoring or, or quality, but we're just, you know, we're talking about those type of soft skills, how you're gonna talk to each other. If a client or if a customer calls in and they say this, what, what are some of the things that you can rebut or come back with that are, that are the proper tone? Um, so a lot of it is we're seeing as well. It's not really what you say. We say the tone is the message, right? It's kind of how they say it, right? And the, and the rep will be like, what do you mean? I said exactly what you want to say. Well, you did. <laughs> but that tone that you had is something else that goes along with that, that kind of that soft skill. So it's, it's an industry issue um, because of just how society is right now. And it's not wrong. It's just kind of where we are and what needs to be trained depending on the, the program. I would, let me just add this too, Christian, is for us, the really cool thing about being a BPO is we have a lot of different clients with a lot of different cultures. Right? Yeah. So we have some like tech startups that we can be like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Like you can talk like that on the phone, right? And we have other financial services as, hey, ma'am, thank you for calling. This is blah, that you're very formal. So that's another thing to kind of you know, I think that makes us a little bit better with that because we have so many different ways that we have to communicate that you kind of get good at it depending on what the client is really looking for. Well, obviously you're going to have those reps that can do multiple ones really well. And then you have some that are actually just really good at one or the other. So it does give you some variety to work in there. So it sounds like definitely soft skills is something you focus on, you teach on it. Uh, it's something that's not inherently common. Um, with a lot of the reps uh, out the gate, but it's something you're constantly working. And it sounds like you have a program that focuses on it. It's just not like a one, one and done. It's like, ah, I did it on everyone's right, learning. Right. You have to constantly be reinforcing that. So you, you would say that, yeah, absolutely. You can teach it um, for those that may not have it, or you can teach it well enough that if you have a program in place that, that does some front end and then maintenance ongoing, that it absolutely can be done enough to make a positive improvement in the experience. Yeah, and I think the technology that we have now helps with that too, right? So with, with sentiment reporting, with analytics, those types of things, we can, we can really look at tone um, and you know, be able to, to have reps now. Obviously, that's part of the, everybody's QA uh, when they're doing you know, QA monitoring and, and, and quality assurance. But now with some of the tools as well that we have from that standpoint, I think it's, it's made things better where you can, you're being more proactive in catching it. Mm -hmm. um, but then, then before when we were just trying to listen and catching that needle in the haystack um, with, with what, what an associate's doing. Definitely. So, you know, as, as we've talked about, you know, the form that a lot of people are, are communicating, everything from Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, SMS, Twitter, you know, all these other social mediums um, or even in their handheld devices. When it comes to the discussion starting to migrate there more obviously than it was from an adoption standpoint, but also it's getting better at what them versus what it was. And you're getting a more true omni-channel experience versus just multi-channel 
uh, interactions before. Um, in that world, though, what advice, though, would you give to businesses that are looking to implement this more text type oriented communication versus voice? I think it's a no brainer and the cost. I mean, as you guys know, too, it's not much more. Right. I think there's a lot of laziness and a lot of complacency of, of this is kind of how we've done it. Um, we've seen a lot of even on the flip side. Right. We've seen a lot of you know organizations that start and all they do is text or they do is email and evolve them to voice. Right. Yeah. It's like this double evolution. And then these legacy organizations that have been around have just done voice and now they're starting to get into the digital, into the, the texting, into the chat. Um, so as you said, you know, any organization that you go with from an outsourcing standpoint or any software that you get, um, you know, you have to be able to give customers the option now. You know, there, there's, the, the, I think the days of, hey, this is how we do customer service and this is the channels that we're going to offer. Um, it's just because people are nervous or scared or they've never done it. But again, we just talked about how the, the reps, you know, we're, we're struggling with soft skills. One thing they're really good at is typing and texting um, and chat. So we have found that, you know, a lot of, a lot of those guys Right? They're really good at it. They're really fast at it. They can work six or seven different chats at one time because that's kind of how their brain has, has kind of been programmed through, through the technology that everybody's been using. So if those reps are starting to get really good at it, that means your customers are starting to get really good at it. And that's becoming more of a preferred channel. Voice is still king and we still see it, but, but chat is, is, is right there. And then the last thing I want to say with this too, because I can go on on this topic because it kind of gets me, it gets me fired up is, People talk about the chatbots, right? And they, they, they talk about AI and, and kind of where we are from an AI standpoint. And, you know, I, I still think that, that the human chat is just so much better than where we are from a chatbot standpoint, from where we are from a, I think it's really cool to have a, a, a nice self-service model, but so many people want to use that as their model instead of just the add-on. Um, so from that standpoint, if, if, if you have that voice, if you have chat that's starting to evolve, but email is still a really big channel that we're starting to see. It's really in every RFP, which kind of surprises me, but you know, anything from that, that digital technical channel is really starting to go. And, and as you just said, too, from, from Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, we're seeing really an evolution and a blow up of, of service of that, especially the newer companies. They're really coming on board, and that might be their only service channel. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big change that's happening since, you know, in the last probably 10, 15 years. If you can't get enough of Christian's voice and want more of that awesome mellow tone, go to nobelbiz.com and click on webinars. How have these challenging times impacted you? Is remote work difficult for your call center? How can you make sure your agents are actually working? We have the answers to these questions plus actionable tips on how to get your contact center up to speed. Once again, go to nobelbiz.com slash webinar dash series to find all our recordings. That's N-O-B-E-L-B-I-Z.com and click on the webinars button. Yeah, and I mean, look, just me as a consumer and especially through this pandemic, brands that I had great experiences with. I mean, it was like, yeah, every single time I call, every time I email, if I get a website, it's like that and I'm good. And through this pandemic, someone went down the drain. I mean, there's horrible services where I'm just going, man, this experience is, you can't explain it other than a bad experience, right? right. But there's other brands that I've interacted with that I never have, and ones that I 
did before and I still do today where the experience was phenomenal. And I'm going, wow, these brands really stepped it up. And even through other mediums that maybe I didn't use in the past. And so it's interesting to see that when we talk about the AI and you talk about how there's a people that think like tomorrow, all agents are going to get replaced, right? And AI is right. going to be the everything. And I think you've done a great job of articulating that. Well, I think it's them working together. It's not just an either or, right? So kind of walk me through a little bit what you mean by that. And, and then I'd love to kind of give an antidote of something I just experienced yesterday on this. So when you, when you talk to anybody who right now is a, an AI guru, right? Or you, you go on LinkedIn and they say, hey, you know, our reps can do this. I've never seen it. I mean, I'm, I'm in the consulting side too. I'm not saying, I'm not naive enough to say it's not going to be there someday because I think it's probably going to be, right? But at this point, there is nothing out there that can really do just call in and be like, hey, how you doing? I'm a human being voice all their issues, ask a ton of questions that an AI or some type of bot or some type of voice IVR from an AI standpoint can handle. Now, that doesn't mean AI is not useful. So what we're starting to see and what we're starting to utilize in our call center is, is real-time transcription from Google, mm -hmm. basically associate, and then it's kind of their AI buddy, right, is right here, customer is talking, and the AI buddy is just transcribing all the, all the words and then giving the rep kind of kind of pushing them to say hey this customer likes this this is probably a good upsell for them this is probably a good cross sell for them this is a here's a pdf that you're going to want because they're going to ask this question next so the the ai is starting to evolve to to listen to the customer start to associate and help that associate you know, kind of kind of make that customer journey a little bit better that's where i see in the next 12 to 18 months that's where ai really is going to have a huge impact but also, just on the, the advanced routing and, and you know, workforce intelligence, um, when you know certain calls or calls are starting to queue to have AI, you know, really bring in reps from different skills, um, have them pull out, know what reps to bring in because they have the shortest handle time, the best occupancy, those types of things. That takes a little bit of the human intervention away from it. So, you know, the that I think everybody got so enamored with that Google developers conference when it was like the, they were calling and scheduling an appointment at a, for a hair salon. Right. Yeah. Then, yeah. That's what, that's what everything's going to be. And it's, it's not, and it's, it's not even close yet. Again, I'm, I'm all in on AI. Like we, we are seeing what's next, but you know, what from an ROI standpoint really makes sense for us and what will really help the customer um, and not kind of take us down this road of, that's not really going to work yet. Yeah. I mean, it's still very bleeding edge right now. It's it's right there where it exists. It's yep. just not ready for prime time across the replacement of what people think it would do. But, uh, you know, to get to my experience yesterday, I was talking with a major brand or trying to get in touch with a major brand and they made modifications where they've kind of hidden their phone number uh, to, right. be able to communicate with them. Right. So the only thing I can do is send them an email or try to open a web chat. Well, through that web chat, there's this. AI behind the scenes trying to communicate with me. It's trying to look up my information. It's trying to it's trying to guess why I'm reaching out to them. And it takes a while to finally get to a human being that I can just ask the questions the way in my mind I'm thinking I need to get solved. And then all of a sudden it gets solved. Now, obviously, that, that's a, a very basic way to explain why it didn't work for me in that scenario. But had my transaction needed something that was purely that black and white, then sure, yeah, it could have really worked. But in that instance, for me as a consumer, the friction 
that was causing me to have to hunt down a number, couldn't find a number, had to find an email. You knew it was going to take forever to get a response. You went through web chat, which wasn't super easy to find. And then you had to get through their bot for a while and all the things they wanted to guess or assume. So you're right. It's not there yet, but what it can do today, definitely there's some really cool stuff. And so Let's kind of shift. Christian, not not to not to interrupt you, but I, what you you said something that I think was awesome, and it, and it's it the AI bot guessed, right? So it didn't just you know say, hey, this is my issue where a human being can just kind of take that. Your frustration came because that's kind of where it is right now, right? And sometimes if it's a like you said, if it's black and white, self service is great. If I want to get my account balance, I want to do something really quick. Great, I don't need to talk to anybody. But for most things, you're right. It's guessing and not really helping. Absolutely. So it'll be great to see the day when that becomes a little bit more refined. But I still think there's still going to have to be that human connection, that human interaction at certain levels of touch. Right. Especially for high end, for high end interactions, um, those types of things I don't think are are going away. And we can get into a whole conversation then about <laughs> and that kind of stuff with that. But yeah, I think that all kind of plays into it. Absolutely. So kind of let's shift to, uh, to obviously the big topic right now, right? Everyone's talking about how the pandemic is affecting things, right? When you had to make a change to what does it look like in the future, right? So from that perspective, when we look at that, I know you said, hey, you know, the coronavirus represents the glory day of the call center. I mean, you, you might be perfectly right there, but with what's going on, you know, how can right now people get um, the outcomes they're looking for and the things that you want to be able to see in the industry. Um, I know people have had to be forced to make decisions because of the pandemic. What have you seen and what things, you know, maybe were easy and common for you that wasn't a big transition because of the pandemic? Never in the call, the, the history of kind of the, the contact center industry has, has technology played a bigger role in what has happened in the last four to five months. And basically it was black or white. You either had something or you didn't have it. You either okay, right? Or you were in big trouble. So um, anybody who got caught with a with the premise-based legacy type systems that bought because they were secure and you know, this is kind of how we do things. Well, they got really hurt and they got hurt really bad with figuring out, oh my gosh, how do we do this at home thing? And then you had some really nimble organization, which, you know. A lot of BPOs are now, and especially on the U.S. side, that we're able to transition very quickly. So, you know, the, one of the coolest things we did, I think, from a social media standpoint, is we actually, if, if you go even, I think, I think they're on my LinkedIn, or we actually filmed our, our meetings, right? Like our live meetings when this was all going down and said, all right, guys, we have 500 agents here. We have literally this week to get them home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how are we going to do this? And... IT and we basically, you know, took a took about a day and said this really shouldn't be that bad. Set up a couple VPNs for for a couple different clients, but for the most part, they're being in the cloud. A rep theoretically could be at Starbucks, right? And, and as long as there's internet, they could be they could be taking calls. So the transition for us, luckily, wasn't so much on the technology side, right? It was more how do we operate now? Um, how do we operate with Slack? How do we communicate to reps? What are the procedures now that we need to do to start a shift to make sure reps are doing what they're supposed to be doing? How do we give them feedback? You know, those types of things, uh, you know, they're part of our disaster recovery plan, right? But we've never really had to dust it off. So we always knew, hey, we were going to do at-home agents, we're going to do this. But when, it, when, the, when everything really came down to it, 
um, we had to really put things in place very quickly. So it's made us much stronger. It's made a lot of organizations a lot, a lot stronger. We are now, I, I was an anti, you know, totally against at home, um, you know, coming from the, the financial services side, from PCI compliance, from security, I couldn't figure out how I could wrap my head around having that because a rep could be doing a great job, but maybe the roommate, right, who's coming behind them takes a picture, does something like that. So we came up with some security protocols that I was, I was very happy with. Um, and now I think we're going to be hybrid, right? I think that all of the, the, the financial services clients that we have, HIPAA, that type of information, we're going we're gonna to bring back brick and mortar. But probably 40 to 50% of my clients are okay with it. We will probably end up leaving reps at home long-term. So it, it's really evolved. If, if that's evolved my little piece of the world, right, from a call center side, it's really, you know, it, it's done ripples across the, the entire industry. So it's really put a lot of stress on organizations, again, that weren't in the cloud. And now, you know, third, fourth quarter, first quarter, there's going to be a lot of people looking to say, hey, do I outsource? Um, do I go buy some cloud type of, of, of telephony platform? What do we do? Because we can't get caught like this again, as a lot of people did. Have you ever dreamed of perfect calls? Do you ever wonder how much time you'd save? How awesome would it be if you had only uninterrupted calls? Thankfully, these dreams are real. If you're a call center, we can do that for you. The Noble Biz Carrier of Carriers Network assures uninterrupted calls through a worldwide series of servers designed for one purpose and one purpose only, to deliver crystal clear quality. But how do we know we're so good? It's because we're a true carrier. We control the quality, the network, and the servers. And we said, let's give it all we've got. Go to noblebiz.com and search for world-class voice under technology. Once again, that's N-O-B-E-L-B-I-Z.com and look for world-class voice. I'd love to kind of just tap for just a little bit is, you know, what, what do you feel that you're most proud of or things when it comes to your employees through this transition that help them through this difficulty? Obviously, there's a lot of people that even though they went home, there may have been three to five or 15 other people in that room and may, they yeah. may not have an office. They may not have had proper internet or a computer, whatever it may be, it's stressful financially for people, right? There's all kinds of things. Is there anything in particular that you and the company did for your staff or employees to help them through this time or to help them in any way, shape or form that you're proud yeah, of? I mean, we, we've done, you know, we first thing is like the, that multiplier that I talked about or that streak, you know, we talked about from an attendance standpoint, we just kind of allowed that to happen, right? So we knew that there was going to be some people that are kind of figuring things out. Maybe they're going to be a half hour late because their computer's down, those types of things, which it doesn't sound like a big deal, but that was kind of a big deal for those guys because a lot of people are, you know, they, they count on that um, and they do a really good job of always being here. So this was kind of like some water in their face, like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe something's not going to get it done right. We gave all of our reps the computer. So we're currently, you know, we actually put them in a box, give them a headset, give them a computer, give them all their equipment. I don't know if that will continue that way, but that's what we did um, very quickly. If there was any reps that did not have internet, we, we helped facilitate um, help facilitate that. We were also allowed to be open as a, um, as a business that could stay open because of the two-on-one. So if we did have any reps that you know, wanted to work or didn't have internet or just couldn't get internet, um, we actually had a couple reps, not too many, 
um, that we brought back and kind of spaced them out here so that they wouldn't lose any time. We, we did not have to lay anybody off. Um, we actually have grown, you know, throughout kind of this, this pandemic. And, and it's kind of hard for me to talk about because you don't want to be happy about it. But I, I just kind of say it's kind of a lot of the call center guys are it's kind of right place at the wrong time, right? It's a need um, that, that a lot of people have had and, and they need to hear that voice. So from us, from that standpoint, it, it's been really cool to be able to help. Um, and I think that we've tried to instill that in the, the associates as well with, with really the cool thing about, I guess, everybody at home and everybody on Slack is that while I can, before I could, you know, walk through the room and high five or talk, but now literally I can, I can communicate better with everyone, right? There's a, there's an all company Slack channel now that we didn't have when everybody was here that I'm you know, constantly trying to give updates or, Hey, thank yous. And then going into each specific team and kind of hearing from me or hearing from the leadership team a little bit more was something that I didn't, you didn't think about, but one of the really kind of cool things that, that kind of happened with that. So I think our communication culture got a, got a lot better as well. And I have a lot of reps talking to me back and forth now. Right. So um, it's, it's kind of cool where before they would like knock on the door, maybe like be scared to put their head in. <laughs> now everybody's kind of really talking and communicating and, and, Hey, I have this issue or Hey, this has gone really well. So I think from that standpoint, it's made us, it's made us a little bit stronger and the reps have done just an awesome job. Well, that's incredible. And I mean, I'd love to finish this off by shifting to a little bit about you, Tom. So, I mean, um, you know, you've had a long day at work, you've been at the office, you know, what do you do to unwind? What do you do when you get home to kind of let, let go? Anything in I got two uh, two little little guys at home. I have a seven year old and a five year old. Okay. So, um, so the I have a it's the seven year old girl and a, and a little five year old son. So the five year old loves. He's into the video games now. He's into baseball. So where he's like, Dad, let's go hit bombs, right? So we go in the backyard and, and kind of do that. Um, but for the most part, I coach high school basketball here in, in town as well. Um, okay. So that kind of keep, keeps keeps me out of trouble. Um, so we've been kind of trying to evolve and kind of figure that out too with everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of my, I mean, my family, my wife, the two kids, and then, you know, with basketball, it kind of, uh, it kind of keeps me out of trouble. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's incredible. And, and, and obviously for the quarantine itself, you know, how was that for you and the family? Has everyone been able to kind of work through it and, 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 you know, be able to deal with all the isolation? Yeah, I think it's been harder on my wife, um, to be honest. I mean, it, it is difficult, especially, you know, all the working moms or working dads that you, know, you have two or three kids that are at home, you're trying to homeschool. Um, and, you know, we kind of think about that, think that through with our reps too, right? It's, it's, it's great to say, hey, I work from home. But when you work from home and everyone else is home too, it can be a way more stressful environment than it is, you know, being here in the office. So I kind of lazy or I don't know, cheaped out. And I came into work every day. Um, so, you know, I think, I don't know if that helped her or hurt her. Um, so nobody was really here. There was about three of us here. Um, so kind of, I worked from here and, 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 you know, did what I had to do there, but then I would, I would go home a little bit if she, if, if the kids were kind of, uh, you know, at it, but you know, everybody's kind of dealing with that. And it's, it's, it's crazy how things evolved so quickly and nobody really even had time to plan for any of this. Um, it just literally was, you know, a couple weeks and, and and you had to kind of figure it out. So pretty proud of the family, pretty proud of the organization for, with how we've kind of evolved through this. It was a, it was a kind of a harrowing time that I think we've, we've kind of gotten through and, and definitely became stronger as a family and I think as an organization as well. 
Well, I really appreciate you joining today. Thanks so much, Tom. Uh, obviously, we had a great time. At least I did. Hopefully, it was for yeah, you. Yeah, good time. And obviously, for the audience, I'm open as well. But you know, for all of those who want to be able to follow you, connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, check me out there. And then I just want to throw this out too. We we just started a um, advice from a call center geek texting community. Um, so if anybody wants to to kind of join that, it's eight. If you just text hello to eight one four two four seven zero three six six. Literally, that comes directly to me. That's one of my phone numbers. I will see your text. If you have any issues, questions, um, I will be able to help. It's there's no cost. Um, and then also we're going to give some just content, more content, never any selling, any sales, just some call center, contact center operations content there, there as well. So yeah, best thing is if you want to check me out on LinkedIn um, or uh, you know, just check out the texting community. Perfect. And obviously you got your podcast, you got your consulting business, you got the books. Uh, I think there's definitely plenty of areas and places where people are going to get some great stuff. So again, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Obviously see you next episode. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Christian. If you like what you're hearing, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out our YouTube channel for exclusive clips. Like us, rate us, review us. If you want to hear more on our take on coronavirus, remote work, and contact centers, go to nobelbiz.com and click on webinars to see our recorded on-demand webinars. Thanks for listening to First Contact Stories of the Call Center. My name is Christian Montez, and we'll be back soon with our next episode. This podcast has been hosted by me, Christian Montez, produced, written, and edited by Bogdan Minutes, with co-executive producers Steve Biederman, Lauren Chasson, Christian Montez, Joanne Sabo, and Bogdan Minutes.